Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. I want to welcome all of you to the third week of our series we've entitled Closer. I want to welcome those that are streaming live with us at our McKinney campus. Welcome those making room and making space for others at 1230. Or maybe someone watching this message online as well. Would you guys join me in celebrating all those that are joining in with us? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Luke in the New Testament, chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10 this week and a very interesting story on our journey to get closer to Jesus. Uh, I want to say as your pastor, I'm so encouraged by all of you that are taking spiritual steps. If you're new here, here at Milestone, one of the things we celebrate It's great to gather, it's great to hear the Word of God, it's great to be encouraged, it's great to hug someone's neck and just encourage one another, but the truth is we believe that following Jesus means taking steps, and so I'm encouraged by so many of you that are. Um, Our 101 class, we've had three of those in the last six weeks, and it's exciting, all of the fantastic, awesome people that have come to 101, I get the chance at the end to shake hands and meet so many of you. What's really exciting is in the class, in the month, uh, last month we had 46 people who accepted Christ. This last week we had 27, we've had 73 people profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in our 101 class. And then I get to meet all these people afterwards and what I love is the fact that we have a place for you no matter where you're at to be able to take spiritual steps. And uh, so many people coming to 201. In fact, 201, uh, after our 11 o'clock service this weekend here at the Keller campus and at McKinney, we have 201 where you can find your gifts and you're a 10 in some area. It's a place where you can start to serve and and uh, really complete what God's doing. The Bible says that the body's made more complete when we offer our contribution. And so 201 may be a step. We have a lot of people in 301, our freedom groups. I'm excited. There's 350 approaching 400 people that are going to be going through freedom. That's going to make a massive difference in the lives of those people. Uh, I got a chance to teach our interns this week, and I didn't know all of the people that were in uh, that are studying financial peace and getting help in their finances. I showed up to teach the interns, and there was like a commons full of people here at the Keller campus. And uh, I think I don't know if they were there for the teaching or the fact that we made it Taco Tuesday. I saw this, you know, Mexican buffet. I thought. Forget the interns, I'm going to financial peace, y'all know what I'm saying. But anyway, it's exciting all the steps that people are taking and that's just evidence again of the fact that we believe as well, you take steps but you don't just do your Christianity in rows but you need to be in a circle, you need to be in relationships. If you haven't found your group or your step then we'd love the opportunity to serve you to help you take your next spiritual step along the way. Well in this series, Closer, If you're new, I wanted to bring you along with me and a group of people as we went to Israel. Uh, We we went on a trip and I thought, you know, I'd like to bring you with me. I'd like you to experience it. I'd like to be able to help you get closer to Jesus. And so we walked where he walked and we saw some of these critical big moments in scripture and I was always thinking about you coming with us and so We're going to go to another one of those scenes. We started the first week, though, 
with the scene of Jesus calling his first followers. We were on the bank of the Lake of Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee, and we summed it up with this. If you want to be close to Jesus, then he says, follow me, follow me. It's like, where are we going? Just, just follow. Well, what's going to happen when we get there? Just, just follow, just follow. So it's a big part of really knowing Jesus and being close to him is just saying, okay, I'm going to follow you wherever you lead. I will go. Last week, we talked about seeking him, that Jesus says, you have a search, you have a thirst, you have a hunger in your soul, and I'm the one who can fill it. So seek me. Seek after me. In all your searching and seeking, seek after me. And he says, if you look at and focus on me, then you'll get full of me. If you'll ask, if you'll knock, if you'll seek, you'll get close to me, so he said, seek me. This week, we're gonna look at something that I think is a little more challenging. It's a little harder. It's a dimension of Jesus that really works on some of the things in our lives, in our hearts, and at the deepest level, and that is, Jesus says, if you wanna be close to me, you have to trust me. You have to trust me. So we went from the Sea of Galilee up on a mountainside where he says, seek me, and then We're going to go to a scene where he comes down from that place into the city of Capernaum. It's a place where he did most of his base, if you will, of ministry. He moved out from there. He had friends there. He he would station himself there. In fact, we're going to go to a synagogue, and Jesus taught there a lot. In fact, we're going to be where the place that we're actually at is a 5th century synagogue, but right beside where I'm filming, if you look down toward the base level there, there is actually the actual floor of the synagogue that Jesus taught from. And so in this moment, though, we see something that is kind of out of the box in the life of Jesus. Jesus says something that he only said one other time. The other time he said this He said it in a negative way, and Jesus, it says in the scripture, Jesus was amazed. The only other time it happened in a negative way, Jesus was not far from this place in his hometown, and they weren't able to receive from him, and he was amazed at their unbelief. He was amazed at their unwillingness to truly believe him. But in this moment, the only time in scripture, Jesus in a positive way is amazed. You think about being amazed. No matter where you're coming from, you may have a spiritual heritage. You may have had multiple times where Jesus amazed you. You you may think, man, that was a miracle. There's no way that that would have happened in my life. There's no way all those set of circumstances could have come together. You may have had some supernatural occurrence that you go, man, that, that was Jesus. Jesus did that. Or you may not have that great of a spiritual heritage, or you may not know a lot about Jesus, but if you're honest, there's things that amaze you. Whether it's a beautiful view, or a mountain, or an ocean, or some beautiful thing you're amazed by. Maybe you get amazed by just the complexities of the universe, or the complexities of the human body. You study the human eye, or just the way the body works, and you start just going, wow, it's it's just, it's amazing. You may be amazed by multiple different things. People are amazed in different ways. Some people are harder to amaze. Other people are more easily amazed. I was preaching a few years ago in a church in Los Angeles, 
And uh, I was early in my message. It's a, a, a church there that has a very eclectic crowd of people from all different backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds. They, they have a, a place where they help people with rehabilitation that are having addiction issues. And so you have people from all different walks of life. It's quite a fascinating place to preach. And uh, so I start into the message and I then kind of get to this main thesis theme point and I don't even remember what it was. It was, it was like okay in my mind as I said it, you know? I mean, you're just like, well, you just kind of say it, you know? And I don't know how great it is, but over here on this side of the auditorium, there was a guy there and he's sitting there and as I'm talking, he's just, that's amazing. I said, do you want to follow me around? Would you like to come to the 1230 service? I mean, <laughs> would you like to just follow me wherever I go? I mean, this guy was just, that's amazing. I thought, well, it, it was pretty good. You know, I mean, <laughs> somebody testify. <laughs> People are amazed by a lot of different things. For me, I'm really intrigued by what would amaze Jesus? What, what would make Jesus go, okay, that, that's different. That's unique. What, what would make Jesus lean in and recognize? What would make Jesus say, I'm getting closer here to this situation? Well, we're gonna go to this synagogue where Jesus taught there's some people milling around, by the way. In our other scenes, we were kind of in remote locations. In this one, there's people milling around, and there were a few amazed by what I was doing, so pay no attention to them. If some, just, just for reference, if someone's shooting a video, don't, don't walk in, don't, don't, don't look in, okay? That, you're not a part of the thing. But anyway, we cut a lot of those people out, you know? It's like, I'm trying to accomplish something here, brother, but anyway, you know? Okay. Be less amazed, okay? <laughs> Be a few people milling around in there, but the significance of the story, I think, can hit us right where we live. So watch this with me, and let's see what amazes Jesus. One of the greatest things about Jesus is that the closer you get to him, the more you desire to be connected to him. You want, you want more of who he is. But the fact is, as we look here in this story, and really if you think about where I'm standing, we're gonna see that getting close to Jesus comes in a way that really it, it, it moves against the grain of our natural mindset and our, our natural culture. We're looking at Luke 7, 1 through 10. Jesus has been on the hillside right here outside of where we're at in Capernaum. He's been teaching. He gave his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, and he's come down from the countryside into the city. We're standing here in this synagogue where Peter first heard Jesus teach, and it's amazing to me, I'll be honest, when you're here, even just think, uh, it's, it's a small place in the world. It's somewhat obscure. It's, 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 it's amazing to me now, and, and I believe Jesus to be God. I believe Jesus to be the Son of God. I believe Jesus to be the Messiah. I, I believe he's, he's our hope, he's our salvation, but even at a basic level, 
people from all over the world come to learn about and see this place where can you imagine hundreds of years ago him teaching right in the city but he comes into the city and it says this when Jesus had finished saying all of this to the people he's been given this sermon on the mount he, he entered Capernaum and that's that's where his ministry base on the north side of the Sea of Galilee right here it's where he healed Peter's mother-in-law it's where his base of ministry took place and then now we see him had this encounter with a centurion. There's a centurion servant whom his master valued highly and was sick and about to die. First of all, a centurion is a person in charge of 80 to 100 Roman soldiers. He, he had great authority and in the natural mindset of the day, uh, he would have saw the Jews as not even being human. And so even when you have the phrase, go the extra mile, he could ask a Jew to carry his bags for a mile uh, or even more, and so you, you would see harsh treatment, abuse, and as the case with Jesus always, um, he, he goes into the lives of people that it, it wouldn't look, again, ordinary or culturally accepted. So this story is about a centurion, his servant is sick, and it says this centurion valued really this servant, and that, that's an out of the, of the normal characteristic, and even though a centurion would have a a relationship with his servant because they were together a lot uh, it's still it's still out of the norm it says that he the centurion had heard of Jesus so he sent some elders of the Jews to him asking him to come and heal his servant when they came to Jesus these elders they came to Jesus look what it says they pleaded earnestly with him and they're really trying to convince Jesus to go and and minister uh, to this servant of this centurion. And listen to what they used to persuade Jesus to get into the situation. It says, the man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. I love this. You know, what we're seeing here is Jesus entering their problem didn't come from what we think a lot of times, look, getting help from God really comes from our power, our position, our understanding, our revelation of information somehow, or those of us that look the most spiritual or elite, says here that really Jesus entered the situation because he loved people, he served people. And I, and I, I, wanna, I want us to hear this, getting close to Jesus, many times again means stepping out of our position to love others. We, we could really see so much happen that would honor Jesus and get him closer in our lives, if we would step out of our place of position and operate here like what these people are describing, this is a, this is a guy who's loving people and serving people. It says here, Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself for I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. So the centurion understands for Jesus to enter the house then what that really means is that he would, from a Jewish perspective, be seen as unclean. He says this, but say the word and my servant will be healed. See, we see a principle here that Jesus coming into our situation, there's authority that comes from what Jesus says and there's authority in his word. He says this, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I tell this one go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes, and I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. So this centurion is relating the authority he has 
to bring situations into order by what he says, he's relating that to Jesus's ability to speak into the situation that he has challenges with. And so when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. I, I love that. I love that Jesus is amazed that a person culturally that has position and power and most people in his position are being abusive of others, lording that authority over. This is the out of the characteristic type of person that should be doing this. Jesus says he's amazed that he understands that Jesus and his authority, Jesus and his word can fix his situation. And we're gonna see in a minute, why is Jesus amazed? Because what he's really hitting on is the religious elite and those that should be the ones that trust him with this kind of total bold faith should be his people. And yet it's the person on the outside that's making this claim to say, look, I believe you, by your word you can do it and your word can heal him. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And then he turning to the crowd following him, he said to all this crowd, Jesus was always using the moment to teach everyone. And I can just see him right now in this city turning to this crowd and saying, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. This would have been so out of the box for the crowd listening. Because see, with the Roman occupation, which this centurion represented, the Romans believed with the, what's called the Pax Romana, they're the ones who had the message that would bring peace to the world. And Jesus is saying, this person who's under that authority and that system is the least likely person to believe that I'm the one that's the one that can really bring healing and peace into a situation. And, and he's just, he's amazed at it. And he said, really, the truth is, I haven't found it even among those who should understand who I am and those who should be. He says this, then the men who had been sent returned to the house. Get this, Jesus doesn't even go to the house. Jesus doesn't lay hands on him. Jesus doesn't say a prayer. When they get to the house, because of the authority that Jesus carries, when they get there, they found the servant well. What is this saying to us? This is what I really think we need to think about because we're trying to really move ourselves from our natural perspective to be able to get closer to Jesus, and that's this. Really, less religious information, less using our position, more serving the people that Jesus loves, and more confidence and trust in what Jesus says. In our situations, if we trust our position, authority, and ability to fix those situations, Jesus is not amazed at that. Jesus may not even enter that, but I tell you, he'll enter into a place of humility and a place of total trust and confidence in his word and what he brings into our lives, really his person, if we'll be willing to bring ourselves into that kind of humble place, Jesus will show up. He'll be amazed even at our faith. I don't know how much time you've spent reading the Bible, but the Bible in the story of Jesus destroys a lot of the barriers, culturally, socially. Jesus was always going to the person on the outside of the group that he was with. 
And we see that here with this centurion. We not only see it in the way Jesus comes into his world, but we see it from the centurion's vantage point of he having so much position and authority. I want want to dig in that a little bit more. I mean, these guys were battle-worn type individuals. They, They were people that had lots of physical and emotional strength and fortitude. They were the tip of the spear in battle many times. They, they led into battle. It's said of them a lot of times that in fact their men would be more fearful and scared of them than they were the enemy. So this is a very militant, harsh, hard person generally by characteristic, but we see something totally different in this centurion soldier. On page 51 of the book, I pray that you'll get this book. I'm not receiving financial resources from you that you get it. I say that to say that that's why I really ask you to get it because I believe it really will help you. It's great for a small group. It's great for a devotional time and it's a short read and and so I I wanna just give you a little touch of it here. It's not surprising that a military commander understands authority, but it is surprising that he recognizes and equates the authority of Jesus with the chain of command. Remember, this is a command and control, top-down positional culture. The rule of the Roman army was do what your commander says or face discipline. The rule of the Roman Empire was do what Caesar says or die. Many times these were educated individuals because they had to receive orders from the Caesar and carry them out to the letter of the law in perfection. And this thoughtful, humble, faithful man sends word to Jesus Just say the word, and I know my servant will be healed. What a radical statement, it's incredible. It doesn't really make sense. It's why we're still telling this story thousands of years later. So Jesus is not amazed by our position. He's not amazed by our knowledge. He's not amazed by our own personal strength. He's not amazed by our harshness, our hardness, or how right we are, Jesus is amazed by childlike, simple trust. So let's take that thought from this place where Jesus is teaching and let him teach us today. So what we're saying as we look at this story, I believe it's this, if you're going to be close to Jesus, you have to be willing to trust him. And that's not always easy, but we have to trust him completely And we have to trust him in every situation and every scenario. Maybe you're playing through moments in your life where you've had to trust him. Maybe you've never trusted him before, but he wants you to trust him. Playing through those moments where it's like Jesus asked you, hey, I want you to trust me with this area of your life. I want you to trust me with this situation, this circumstance. I can think back on my life, multiple moments where Jesus has asked me to trust him. Look, I can say the word, Jeff, I can handle this, but it's in that gap between, hey, trust me with this, and then the outcomes and scenarios that there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of I don't knows. There's a lot of I wanna control it. There's a lot of I wanna fix it in multiple situations and scenarios. I I talk about one in Brandy and I's life, not for shock value, not for hype, Uh, Not even just to to use it as a tool to just get people emotionally stirred, though um, in one of our services already this weekend, one of our camera operators had just gone through this and was emotionally moved by it, and I know it's something that can touch many of us, 
There's a time in our life, we were in our later 30s, as you know, we have a daughter who's gone off to college, we have a senior in high school, and then we have one that's about to be eight years old. But before we had our last child, we began to pray, we began to seek counsel, should we have another child, and begin to ask the Lord. And Brandy got pregnant, and we had a, a fine pregnancy over a long period of time, and then we, late term, lost the baby right before we moved into our former building. And I learned some things about myself. I learned some things about how to, to process and walk with and talk with my, my wife while I was dealing with my own situation. See, a lot of times we're trying to help some other people in certain scenarios, and yet we're, we're dealing with our own trust issues, and I learned some things about me. But here was the moment, and here's why I tell the story. And maybe you just apply it to anything you're going through. The hardest thing wasn't just trusting God with what we face. The hardest thing was to trust him again. And it's like, I don't, I don't know, do we, we, we feel like God calls us to have a child, but it's like, do we wanna go there again? What, all the potential scenarios. And I believe that whether it's a situation you've walked through in your business life or a situation with a child or the situation we faced or whatever it is, sometimes when we don't have what we believe to be the right outcome and we walk through pain, it's hard sometimes to say, I'm gonna keep trusting you, Jesus. You say, Jeff, how do you get through those kind of scenarios? How do you trust for the first time? How do you trust for the second time or the 500th time? How do you walk with Jesus and consistently keep coming back to, I'm gonna trust you with that business deal. I'm gonna trust you with that kid that's off the reservation. I'm gonna trust you with this painful circumstance. How do you do that? I wanna make it real because at every level, and Jesus sees our hearts, by the way, it's not about activity, it's not about knowledge, it's not about externals. He sees our hearts when we're willing to say, okay, I'm gonna trust you with this. What does it look like to trust Jesus? I wanna really walk through this in our last few moments. First of all, you have to acknowledge this, that we all trust something. We all trust in something. No matter where we're coming from, we're putting our trust, we're putting all of our plan, everything we're doing, we're putting it in something. The question is, does that something have the power to really meet our need? We're all trusting in something in our lives. In our world today, a lot of people say, trust your heart. Just trust your heart. Tr trust your feelings. That there's a problem with that. That's extremely unbiblical. Trusting your heart and trusting your feelings will lead you down the wrong path. The Bible says your heart will deceive you. And so trusting in our heart, trusting in our feelings. Some people say, I just trust my gut. Now, I understand that sometimes there's a God-given discernment, and if you're being guided by the Holy Spirit in situations, there's actually even a gift of the Spirit that you can discern spiritual situations. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about trusting your natural instincts. And most of the time, that is built upon your past, your past hurts, your training, your knowledge. And so many times we trust in those things. And there's some of you, again, you have trouble trusting Jesus and you come by it honest. As I said in the book and I said on the video, look, most of the time, again, in this, in this world uh, that, that they were living in, they had some reason when this centurion showed up to go, look, I don't know if we need to trust this guy right here. 
And so for a lot of us, we've had positional leaders, we've had bosses, we've had authorities, we've had parents who've let us down, pastors, leaders, people that we put our trust in, and here's what happens to us. When they let us down, we project that mistrust on our relationship with Jesus. But the fact is, we trust something, and here's a dangerous place to get. If you're not trusting Jesus, then ultimately you back yourself into a place where if you're really honest, you trust yourself. You trust yourself, and here's the problem with trusting ourselves, we're limited. We're limited and we ultimately let ourselves down. There's some barriers for trusting. The second thing we need to look at is, what does it look like to trust Jesus? So we gotta admit, there's some things that we have to overcome in order to trust. We all have pride. We all have a, man, if I could get a hold of that, I could fix it, I could solve that situation. Pride says, I'm gonna do it on my own. Trust says, Jesus, I need you to do it in and through me. Trust says, I need you. We have in our world today a lot of entitlement. And and, and man, I'm gonna tell you, when you've been hurt and you've had trust things, then you start projecting on every person that they need to act in a just way and these people need to change what they're doing and they need to solve this. And here's what we can begin to think. I deserve, I, I deserve this. No, 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 the message of Jesus is, I don't want what I deserve. I I don't want what I deserve, because most of the time, a lot of times, what we're projecting on other people, it's in us. What I want is your grace that gives me what I don't deserve. I'm gonna trust you to give me what I don't deserve in our lives. I think one of the number one barriers in our world today is we move toward, you move toward in life your leading thought. The picture you have, the thought you have is what you move toward and that's influenced by the voices that you hear. And today we have so many different voices, so many people of mistrust, so many people that have, been, have hurts and hangups and things in their past they haven't let go of. And I'm gonna tell you, if you allow that to flood your mind, then you'll let it make in you pictures and thoughts that you will trust those scenarios over trusting Jesus. That's why I love this passage of scripture. It's one I think that needs to be repeated and repeated in this generation more than ever before. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. Faith comes. Where does faith come? Look, there's this authoritative position that comes from Jesus' word. That's what Jesus was amazed at in this centurion. He wasn't saying, look, the the people were saying, he deserves this. What did he say? He said, I don't deserve for you to even come under my roof. I know what I deserve, but I tell you what I need is I need the authority of your word. I need that authority to trickle down into my life. And so as you're walking through all of the challenges and maybe some big concerns that you have today, can I encourage you today? Let the authority of God's word be the leading voice. And if you let that happen, You'll, 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 get, you'll keep a good spirit in your heart. I'm not saying everything always changes automatically. This was a cool story where it was like, bam, boom, it happened. I talk to my kids a lot about having a good spirit, about just having a good spirit, having a good attitude and a good spirit. You know, I talk to them about it a lot. They, we're not just focused on your behaviors. I'm not focused on your knowledge. I'm always determined attitude, heart, spirit, 
You know, kind of like the one you don't have right now, guys. Like I'm talking to these kids, you know, like I, not that one. You got any parents in the house? This one, this spirit, this centurion had a good spirit. You know why? I believe one of the biggest keys to trust is humility. It's humility. Not I deserve, not I should, not they, not this, not humility. God moves close to the humble. God moves close to those who say, you know what, I'm not gonna respond that way, I'm not gonna respond this way, I'm gonna let Jesus do his perfect work in my heart. He responds to that humility, and that's what we see in this centurion, is this humble posture before God. You say, okay, how do we really make it real? Because we, you know, you say, what'd you learn in church today? Well, we're gonna be close to Jesus, we have to trust him. We have to let him give us a better spirit, a humble posture. And you're like, wow, that's kind of nebulous. It's like, okay, that seems kind of religious. That kind of seems out there. No, no, trust is real. And when it really becomes real is when you act on it. Trust really becomes real. If you say, Jeff, I don't really know if I'm trusting Jesus with this or I'm trusting Jesus with that. Well, the way you know is, are you acting on your trust? Are you acting on it? Are you actually living it out? You're like, I, I've, I've put all of my hope, I've put all of, I have no option B. I only have option A. And that is I'm gonna trust Jesus no matter what the outcome, no matter what the situation, I'm gonna trust you, Jesus. You will amaze him when you come into that posture. You will absolutely amaze him and he'll come close in your situation. We've received since the first of the year, let's just try to make it really real right here in our last few moments. Since the beginning of the year from you, we've received 2,500 to 3,000 prayer requests. 2,500 to 3,000 prayer requests. We start the year with fasting and praying and we prayed over those and we had them all over our Keller campus and our McKinney campus auditorium and we pray over the needs and all of the situations. We have a prayer team of people. We have a pastoral team that meets people's needs and helps people and connects and so, so, so we understand. So when you're sitting here going, Jeff, you're telling me to like go, okay, I'm gonna trust Jesus with all of this. Like you, here's the, here's the remember you move towards your thought. Here's the leading thought. You, you, don't, you, you don't know, you, you don't know my deal. You, you don't know my deal. Like that's easy for, for these little, no, no, I do know your deal. Because I see your request and I'm a pastor and I'm around people and I've faced a lot of whatever deals you're facing too. Here's some of, if you just encapsulate them, one of the largest ones, health-related issues. I've had to trust God in the area of health-related things with my wife, with my children. We believe in doctors, we believe in medicine, we believe we have doctors in our church, we have medical professionals in our church. But ultimately, we trust God. We trust God is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And so when you're in the middle of that circumstance or situation, you trust him with whatever the situation is. We have a man in this service, I know it may not translate to the camera, which is part of having to preach to the camera, but Richard right back here, who had a, a diagnosis just a few weeks ago. And I felt immediately in my spirit, I, I, I sensed God's gonna do something here, God's doing something, and then last weekend I saw him, gave him a big bear hug, 
And he gave me a report in this area where God's already doing miracles and doing amazing situations. We know there's still a battle to come. But you know what I was the most hopeful about? Not the report, not the doctor, not the situation. I sensed in him, I'm all in with Jesus in this area no matter what. I'm trusting you, Jesus. I'm trusting you, Jesus. And you know what? It brings the strength that's outside of yourself. Another big one that we get is marriage situations. I'm dealing with a couple of guys right now in major marriage challenges and situations. Marriage, relationships. Relationships are so big because we care deeply. None of us can actually really posture ourselves in total isolation and say, look, I don't care because we have people around us that we love and care about. And the problem is trust issues in us damage relationships because it makes us combative, it makes us justice-oriented, and they should, and these guys I'm dealing with, she should, and she should, and she has to, oh, 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 oh. hold on a minute. If you're trusting Jesus, well, I haven't really thought about that. Well, let's start there. Because God's the one who authored marriage. Jesus is the only one that changes people. You're not gonna change her and you're not gonna change unless Jesus comes into the situation. So let's start with Jesus. And then they said, well, what would it look like to trust Jesus? Well, what it looks like to trust Jesus is to act on your trust. And what does that mean? Have you tried loving her like Christ loves the church? Have you tried to serve her? But she, but she, but she. No, 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 not about, not about changing her. Trusting Jesus means you are operating in your marriage the way Jesus says marriage works. So you start acting on your trust, and you're like, man, that sounds painful. It kind of is. <laughs> but let me tell you something. This is important, because I meet a lot of people today, and I've actually counseled people who say, well, it's easy to serve Jesus, you know, it's just the people, people, and all this other situation. Be careful that you don't make up a Jesus in your mind that's not the Jesus of the Bible. Because the Jesus of the Bible is going to lead you to do some painful things that serve him that may not look right in your mind. So you start serving, you start loving, you start acting on your trust. Lots of financial requests. Meet lots of people. I'm unhappy in my career. I have challenges with my job. I have a business deal that I'm praying for. I have money challenges. Well, have you fully trusted Jesus with your resources? Because if you trust yourself, then you don't obey him with the first 10%. You don't obey him by saying he owns it all. You don't obey him by having the thought, the leading thought, this is all yours, and I'm just stewarding it. I'm just stewarding it. And so where trust manifests is when you begin to act in a way of the way you relate to your resources in a way that aligns with Jesus' desires. So trust actually... It's not just some nebulous concept. It's not just some feeling. It actually moves into action in our lives. I would encourage you with this. You want Jesus to be amazed in the scenarios and situations that concern you. You're like, I got this child issue. I got this financial issue. I've got this concern. The centurion had a different concern, but you have a situation that you're facing. Here's my question. Who you're trusting. Where are you putting your greatest trust? In yourself? In someone else? And by the way, God uses people, but let me also say, no person, no matter how powerful they are, no matter how strong they are, no matter how spiritual they are, 
no matter how loving they are, no person will ever fully meet the need that you have. There's one person, his name is Jesus. And the reason it's so cool to trust him, he's trustworthy. He's trustworthy. He's faithful every single time. You won't trust him if you don't believe he's good. If you begin to recognize how good he is, you'll start to go, you know what? I'm all in with Jesus. I'm all in with him in every situation and scenario I'm facing. So I don't know where you're at or what you're facing, but I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me. And I want us all just to do a little heart examination. Trust me, Jesus says. And we say, Jesus, we want to. There's blocks, there's barriers, there's hangups, there's hurts, there's pains. We wanna trust you though. Maybe for some of you trusting him for the first time, saying, Jesus, I wanna give myself to you. I believe you died for me, rose from the dead. Come into my life and save me. Come into my life and become my Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, let us know. Come to Discovery 101. Come to the front at the end of the service. Fill out a card. Let us know so we can help you take steps. But if you've trusted Jesus with your life, but you still have compartments and corners and areas where you say, I'm still holding on to this. Trust him with that too. Trust him with that too. And the more you trust, the more amazed he is and the closer he becomes in your life. We love you, Jesus, because you're so trustworthy. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 